Welcome to First Congregational Church of Litchfield Sermon Podcast. Join us each week for a Bible-based Christian message. We hope God speaks to you through the things you hear. Let's get started. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. All right, now, (laughs) someone has mentioned, you know, how you're going to feel the shoes of the great preachers have have spoken from this pulpit here. And I always say, well, I'm not really worried about it because I don't really wear shoes, so I think I don't care about shoes. Glory. But we're going to have some fun. I'm going to bring my, my Hebrew behind up these stairs here. Glory. Oh, wait, I forgot something. What, don't fall down. Y'all be praying for me now. So it's going to be, see, my mother right now would be nervous. She says, no, no, this is not a good idea. Not a good idea. All right. <clears throat> now, you, you notice, as I'm standing here, I appear to be a little taller than normal. <laughs> That's a sign of the anointing. You know, I'm actually levitating on the other side of this, but I don't want to freak you out, so <clears throat> hallelujah. Okay, so Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you give us today to expound in your word, Father God. And Father, we know that when Messiah said, give us this day our daily bread, Unless he doesn't understand what he's talking about, why would he say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us? What does forgiveness have anything to do with daily bread? Bread is for your belly. Bread is food. Why do we need forgiveness after the bread? Because the bread that he's speaking of is not physical bread. The bread he's speaking of is the word. So he's saying, give us this day this word, which is your daily bread. The word that comes from heaven. Give us this word, and when we see the word, then forgive us, because now we see where we have gone wrong. That's why he says, give us the bread and forgive us. The bread is connected to the forgiveness, because once we see the bread from heaven, the word of God that comes from heaven. Then we realize, Father, we have missed the mark. And so this morning, it is vital and crucial that you understand that that when I am speaking, I am not speaking on, on to humans who are trying to understand these things. You see, in every single one of us, there is two. There is the first Adam and the last Adam. You see, the first Adam is connected to the, 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 the soulish humanity, the, the fall. By the way, I, if you need neck braces for me being up here, we'll have some available next week. I don't know what's this. You're looking up. Pedestal. You know what they say about pedestals. It's a long way down. The higher you go. Anyway, so we need, we need to understand that that human self that is here needs to decrease 
So that Messiah, the second Adam, that you accepted into your heart, that he will be fed and he will increase in us. And so the message that is coming out this morning is not for people. It is for Messiah who lives in you because I don't know if he's a little fetus. I don't know if he's three years old. I don't know how old Jesus is inside of you. But let me tell you something. I know he needs to mature. How do I know? How do I know? Because we're not raising the dead yet, and we're not walking on water yet. We're not turning water into wine. And I know if you were mature, you'd be turning some water into wine. Glory. You see, there is a maturity that comes to place. You see, when Peter was first walking with Messiah, he had no maturity. You can be a disciple. You can be following, but you don't have maturity. See, in the beginning, he's just following. And as long as you're following, it's good. It's the beginning thing. But at some point in time, you're going to mess it up. At some point in time, you're going to say, I tell you, I do not know this man. I do not know this man. I do not know this man. You see, you fall because you're a follower. But sometimes... Happened afterwards when Jesus died and he resurrected. Suddenly, Peter became transformed. And whereas in the beginning, he's just following, trying to figure out what to do. When Peter matured, when he matured, when Messiah in Peter matured, it says that he would walk down the street and his shadow would be healing people. That's not a follower, that is someone who has become that which he was following. And so you have to understand that sometimes there are things that are shared and and you'll leave here and you'll say, I have absolutely no idea. I can't remember. I don't know what in the world this crazy rabbi was talking about, but something inside of me is changing. And so it's vital, it's important that you understand that when you leave here, I don't care if you don't understand a single thing. All that I care is that at some point you start walking more like Jesus. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? I, see, see, my mother still does this. You, you want to you talk to my mother about her son? She says, oh, I got pictures of my son. My mother has pictures of me when I was like suckling on her breast. In her brain, I'm still her little Peter. I'm a, but listen, Mom, I have a beard. It is not the same person. We mature. We mature. And some of us as a, have, have been impregnated by the Spirit of God. We have Jesus living inside of us like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and we're still sucking on the same milk. God is saying it's time to eat bread. It's time to eat meat. To begin to mature within, not as a human, but as Messiah in you begins to mature and grow. Hallelujah. I kind of love this day because everything is closed. So so ain't nobody needing to go home to do anything because everything is shutting down. It's a good day in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We got all time now. So here's the thing. We're talking in this reading this morning about a Samaritan woman, and, and as April was, was reading it, uh, you know, you may have read that a, a whole bunch of times, and one of the things that I often share is, if you don't know the audience for whom this was written, 
it is very difficult to understand the context of what is happening in this story. And so it is important to understand this story with a little bit of, of, of roots of understanding of what was going on at this time. Because, look, look, when you go to Haiti and you talk to them about football, they don't understand why you'd grab it with your hands and run to the end zone. They don't get that. Because football, for them, you kick with your foot, and it's a whole different game. You understand? So, so, so if something is written for a culture that is different than ours, it's important to understand that culture and what is really going on. So what is going on on this story? Where well, it says that, that Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee. Now, Galilee is kind of like hometown. That's where he hangs out. Judea was like where the temple was. Judea would be where um, um, the, the tribe of Judah would be. A lot of the Levites would be over there. That's where the temple was, okay? And by the way, uh, everything Jesus did is, is like telling us, follow what I do. You see, follow me doesn't mean just come behind me. That's not what it means. Follow me in Hebrew means as I am, so are you. Whatever I, you see me do, do what I do which is totally different than just following somebody. By the way, disciples were people that a rabbi would say, okay, I think you can do exactly what I do, so follow me. You can do what I do, follow me. You can do what I do, follow me. Because when the rabbi died, the rabbi multiplied himself with four, five, six, or seven others exactly like him. That's what Jesus was doing when he was getting disciples. Be me. Watch what I'm doing. And so he doesn't really begin doing all kinds of miracles in Galilee because that's home. And, and, you know, a prophet is never recognized in his own home. So he has to go far away from home, down to Judea where he's doing a lot of miracles and he's getting a huge following. Now that he has a huge following, now he has the encouragement to return back home and deal with all those people. You know those people. You know those people back home. You know, you say, well, I kind of feel like the Lord is telling us something. Yeah, pff, yeah, whatever. You know those people, nobody pays attention to you at home, okay? So he's going home. And, and if you understand the geographic location, so Judea is kind of like towards the bottom here in, in Israel, and then Galilee is, is up a little higher. And in order to get from Judea to Galilee, you have to go through this region called, see it again? Thank you. <laughs> By the way, when I go like this, it's because I forgot. Thank you. Thank you. That really helped. This is where the Samaritans lived. And Jews did not go into where the Samaritans lived because they considered the Samaritans dogs. They considered them uh, um, uh, just less than dogs. They had a huge dislike for Samaritans. It is important that you understand the story through those lenses because this is not a normal situation for a rabbi to be journeying through Samaria. Now, it's actually interesting because if you read, John doesn't say, and on their way to Galilee, they passed by Samaria. John doesn't say they passed by Samaria. John says, and he had to go to Samaria. He had to go there. Can I tell you something? There's something amazing about Jesus. You see, when he's walking, there is a vacuum in the universe where something is broken. 
where there is no hope, where someone died, where someone has leprosy, and whereas all the other rabbis would run in the other direction, he is drawn to the situation that is broken. He is, he's attracted to that situation. i tell you the truth. If he was walking through the streets of Litchfield today, he wouldn't be looking to see what the beautiful churches are and, and who, you know, where are, we going, where are we having service today? No, he'd be looking like, why doesn't... Why doesn't Litchfield have any hookers out in the street? He's looking for the broken. He's looking for the lost. So as he's going to Galilee, he's drawn to Samaria, the place of dogs, the place where nobody hangs out with these people. And it says that he was there and he was tired. If you look in the map, at the distance that they had walked, they had walked probably about 20 miles. You can understand, a little tired. It's almost a marathon. So He's tired. Jesus, the man, is tired. He's hanging out. He sits by a well, and apparently the disciples had left to go get some food. So there he is alone in Samaria in a place where Jews considered all the people dogs. Uh, by the way, a little bit more as to why they considered them dogs, because you didn't know. So this area over here belonged to two tribes, which was Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph, who was in Egypt, and married an Egyptian woman, which means these were half-breeds. And humans are humans. And the Jews knew that these are half-breeds, half-Egyptian. They're a little less. Worse yet, when an invasion came by the Hazarians many, many years earlier... Ephraim and Manasseh actually, instead of fighting, kind of took on some of the traditions of these Gentiles who came in. They started worshiping their gods. And they began to intermarry with the Hazarians, which meant that there were even more half-breeds than there were before. So they were viewed as people who don't, uh, uh, they deserted, basically, the ways of the God of Israel. And they were repulsive to the Jewish people. And as Jesus is sitting there at the well, a woman comes by. Now, this is a Samaritan woman. First of all, rabbis never speak to women alone. Well, that's a big red flag right there. Anybody who's checking in on all the mistakes Jesus made, red flag, red flag, red flag. What are you doing, Samaria, in the city of... Uh, Sriracha? No, it's not Sriracha. It's, it's something, something that sounds like Sriracha. What? Thank you. Yes, there's a city there called Shichar. It sounded like Sriracha, but it's Shichar, yes. And he's alone with this woman, and then he looks at her. He doesn't say, good morning, dear lady. He says, give me water. Now, check mark, Jesus is rude. Seriously? Like, what's the magic word, Jesus? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Really? Give me water. Jeez. You know? A hello? Anything? No. Give me water. And a woman is perplexed by this. She's like, that's kind of weird. Like, I know this is a Jew. How did she know? Because he'd be wearing these. This was the identifier. This was a Jew. This is a rabbi. He'd be wearing tzitzit. So right away she knows this is a rabbi. He's a Jew. 
Why is he talking to a woman and a Samaritan even? So she says, how is it that you, a Jew, are speaking to me, a Samaritan? And now catch this. Jesus answers. Now she has a question. This is one thing I hate about rabbis. You ask them a question, and their answer is another question. You know, if I haven't messed you up with that yet, believe me. You come into the office, Rabbi, I have a question. I say, before I answer your question, let me ask you a question. <laughs> it's coming. It drives you crazy. Yeah. She asks the question, how is it that you, a Jew, is talking to a Samaritan woman? Question, simple, simple, simple question. And he responds by saying, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask him to give you, the one who's asking you, you would ask him for water, and he would give you water, and you would never thirst again. Now, I, I don't know if you, just, if you just read each chapter trying to get to the next chapter, and you don't say, whoa, back it up. Back it up. Like, what does Jesus need, Prozac? Does he have, like, a split personality? What's he talking about? Why is he talking about himself in the third person? I mean, he just said, give me water. And then he's saying to her, if you knew who was asking you water, you would have asked him for water. Him is somebody else. What is she understanding out of this situation? You see, you got to understand, this is really going to mess your mind up. Many times when Jesus is speaking, you're going to recognize sometimes he's speaking himself. Sometimes it's the Father speaking through him about himself. And so when she's speaking about how is it that you're, you're a Jew asking for water, suddenly the spirit of the father is speaking through the son telling the woman, if you knew who's asking you for water, you'd ask him for water. It's like he's going from this is me and this is my son in the same place in one for he and the father are one. Glory. He's like, oh, 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 all right. She says, oh, well, I notice you ain't got a bucket. And the well is deep. How are you going to get this water? How are you going to get this water? And he says to her, everyone who drinks from this well will thirst again. But the water that I have, those who drink it will never thirst again and more. It'll well up as a spring of living water in your innermost being, springing up into eternity. And she says, sir, give me some of that water. So that I don't have to come back here every day getting some water. Now, you see, understand, he's speaking about divine things, and she's still stuck on 
physical water. She just wants to get this magic water so that she doesn't have to come back to the well every day and get, are you hearing this? It's like, it's like you're having a conversation with God and God is revealing eternal things and you're trying to understand physical things. This is why sometimes it seems like God is not answering our prayers. It's just because our prayers, it's like we're praying for an M&M and God is saying, I have the whole M&M store ready for you as a gift, and I don't know how to answer that prayer. It's like going to a multi-billionaire and say, could you please spot me a five? I need it, please. I need a five. And the billionaire says, listen, come and talk to me when you need five million. I don't know what five is. You understand, our father is dealing with great things, and we're stuck on little things. 